0: devil a real enemy and his weaponry it it seeks to destroy everything that's connected to God and months ago I, I taught this that we were created in what God's image do you remember the word I used anybody in the Latin it's imago Dei who said that Yeah, one of the young people. They still, the the synapses are still happening in his brain. Yeah. The Imago Dei. We were all created to be image bearers of God. That's an amazing thing. And if we start with that today, just recognize when God created Adam and Eve, he created them in his image. And then he started a relationship with them. How many know God has your number? And He doesn't need to call you on the phone. He's got your DNA number. The Bible says He's counted every hair on your head. He knows how many you have left. For some of you, that's really impressive. God created man so that He could have a relationship with us. We're the only part of the animal kingdom, if you will, that has this opportunity. We're the only ones that can communicate with him. We're the only ones that he wrote words down for us to study. The Bible. Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, Latin eventually, and now, of course, English. We have God's words, his love letters to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would what? Not perish, perish, but have everlasting life. And Jesus said, if you want to come to the Father, you must go through Me. There's no other way. That's what the Bible teaches. That's why God gave us His Word, so that we would understand this. But today, I just wanted to go back, if you would, go back to the beginning just for a few minutes. You never know (laughs) for those who are at home I'm not even sure what I just heard but it it sounded like an alarm and and, and it was going off so anyway so we're gonna look today at the Garden of Eden back in the book of Genesis we find that first couple And, and if you really study it out what you see is God had a relationship with Adam and Eve after he built Adam then he created eve out of his rib and i've talked about this before but the rib is one of the few bones that actually regenerates yeah and when you see that you're like Ah! so he didn't go without a rib for long but those two had this loving relationship this vertical relationship with god when he would show up in the garden each day and have a conversation. And I don't know that what kind of things they talked about, but can you imagine? We're going to get to experience this someday. But can you imagine, Bill, getting to ask God anything? Anything. I can't. But that's what they were doing. And then one day, this is found in chapter 3, one day that the, the devil, in the form of a serpent, He shows up in the garden and he begins to talk to the woman first. Now, God had forbidden, if you remember, one specific fruit, one tree. He said, leave that one alone. The rest of them, have at it. Tree of life, have at it. But the tree of good and evil, nah, don't touch that one. You're not ready for that one. And the serpent began to lie to them and began to entice them, tempt them. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from the tree of good and evil? Think about it. What would you have done? What was He doing, planting seeds of doubt? We're going to get to this in a few minutes, but one of the keys to being victorious as a Christian is to have faith. Faith is the opposite of doubt. Regretfully, our great, 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 great grandma took a bite, she bit. She fell to the temptation. And then her husband followed. And what happened next is is tragic. But because of their rebellion, and because they now knew the difference between good and evil, and God knew that they were no longer holy or pure in the sense of the original state, He had to boot them out of the garden because he said, if I don't, they're going to live forever in their sin. And he didn't want that for them. So he kicked him out. Now, this chapter 3 actually goes through a bunch, but I'm only going to talk about verse 15. And I'm going to put that up behind me from the NLT. And it says, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He's speaking to the serpent and the woman now. And between your offspring and her offspring. So that tells me that Satan has offspring. Hello? You guys home today? That tells me that he has, I call them minions. You can call them whatever you want, little devils. But he spawned something. And they're out there trying to defeat us. Alright? He will strike your head. And you will strike his heel. Thus began the battle between man and Satan. Now, the New American Commentary, it sums this verse up, and I just wanted to share it. It says, and I quote, Hostility was likened to the nations who are in warfare and the level of animosity that comes from or results in murder. The language of the passage indicates a life and death struggle between combatants. So, can you picture that a little bit? All right, life and death going on between man and the devil. The word crush and strike translate from the same Hebrew verb, which means to bruise. And here's the difference Uh, the one describes the combatant's location versus the other location. So, if you're going to get bruised in the head, that would be mortal, whereas if you were going to get bruised in the heel, that might not be mortal. You get that? So the impact delivered by the offspring of the woman at the head being mortal, and the serpent will deliver a blow only at the heel of the woman, meaning that it won't be mortal. And the continuing imagery of the snake is that the human will strike the snake on the head, killing it eventually, whereas the snake will bite the heel of the woman, causing pain, but not death. Are you with me? All right, That's the gist of this. So what does this verse and those that follow mean for us? And this is what's important. As described, this is talking about a life and death struggle that you and I go through. Has anybody ever pictured somebody or been with somebody who was, Struggling with drug addiction. Would you say that's life and death? Yeah. What about alcoholism? Same thing. Or, or any uh, severe addiction. I mean, it doesn't have to be uh, ingesting things. Pornography is a big one today. It's taking people out. It's huge. Things like that Their life and death struggles, and that's what Satan does. He convinces us to cross the line, just as he did with Eve. You don't need to listen to God. Did God really say that? Is this really going to be wrong? You know, God, he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. Is he really going to be upset? He loves you. Is he really going to condemn you if you cross this line? And then once you cross the line, what happens? He starts to remind you, hey, you blew it back there. See how quick he turns? Hey, you blew it back there. God's not going to love you now. So what do you do? Well, I might as well just keep sinning. I might as well keep going back and going back. And that's what he does with us. It's a life and death struggle. Hallelujah. This is bad news for the couple and for their ancestors. Look at your neighbor and say, That's us. (laughs) We are the seed of Adam and Eve. All right? You and I are the people that are directly dealing with this situation because our ancestors sinned against God. That's the bad news, right? But the good news, God didn't leave us in this state. From the very beginning, Jesus was there, according to Scripture. God had a plan, and He knew that something was going to have to happen. He had a remedy. I want to start with Colossians, jumping to the New Testament. I want to start with Colossians 2 13 through 15. You were dead because of your sins. Look at your neighbor and say, I was dead. (laughs) And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Now, how many can say hallelujah? hallelujah? Hopefully you on live stream can do the same. I hope Jesus has already gotten a hold of your heart has saved you from certain death. But if not, hang on till the end and I'll give you a chance to pray with us. Verse 14 says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. How cool is that? We couldn't have done that on our own. But only Jesus could do this. And then verse 15, and I've highlighted this, In this way he Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross that is good news that is what the church is all about our responsibility is to get the message out to help people who are still living in sin Realize that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, Romans 3:23. It's our job, if you will, our ministry to do that, if we care. Now let me read this from the Passion Bible, and I'm only going to read verse 15, but it's a little bit longer in the Passion. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. Are you still hanging on with me? Are you catching what I'm saying here? Are you catching what the Word is saying here? What does it say? It says Jesus stripped away every weapon, all of the devil's spiritual authority and his power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were His. I think that's really good news. You see, when the devil did this with Adam and Eve, I think he won. I think he thought he won. Ha! I showed God... These beautiful creatures that he created, I've already got them biting out of my hand, not his. They're listening to me, not him. He thought he'd won. And then Jesus shows up. And he's like, "Uh uh-oh, this guy's different. Yeah, he's in the flesh, but man, he's got some serious power on him. And when he was in the desert, if you remember, Jesus denied him three times. The things that Satan wanted him to do, the temptations he threw at Jesus, he denied them by quoting back what? The Scripture, the Word of God, which would have been the Old Testament as we know it. But that's what Jesus responded with, and Satan couldn't do anything about it. But Satan still had a plan. Ah, if I kill him. It all fell into where God wanted it to go anyway. Because it had to happen. Without there being the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. And God knew that. And Satan's like, we're going to kill him. We're going to have a crucifixion. And they beat the daylights out of him. They pounded the thorns on His head. They whipped Him almost to death, keeping Him alive just enough so that He could somewhat carry His cross to the hill where they would take His life. And I promise you, the darkness that was around that hill that day was in glee. Yay, we've finally got him. He's ours. So they thought. When he took his last breath, remember the last words out of his mouth. It is finished. <sighs> what was finished? God's antiviral (laughs) remedy for sin. He didn't have to go through the FDA. He went through heaven. Satan thought he'd won. (laughs) We've got him. They probably jumped on him when he was in the dark. I don't know what it looked like at that point but I just have a little inkling of a guess that all of a sudden where there was no heartbeat, all of a sudden there was a glow, an ember underneath that body and all of a sudden it began to get brighter and brighter and brighter. What fights darkness? Light. And Jesus the light illumined hell like never before and Jesus was able to take the keys of death and Hades you see Satan thought he'd won Satan thought I have Jesus right where I want him he's my prisoner and Jesus is gone Satan let me tell you something You're my prisoner now. Why is this important? Because some of us walk around like Satan still has the keys. And we have got to take our place as believers. You see, Jesus said, there's hope for you and me. Remember what I said? We would be struck on the heel. Meaning, not life-threatening. We have the promise of heaven. Immortal life. Forever and ever and ever. Where's Satan going? Here's the promise for him. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's his promise. That's what's coming for him. We are going to receive life, glorious bodies someday. Not these bodies, but a new body. He is going to be thrust into hell. I recently read this in one of the, the books in my study, The Classical Christian Doctrine, and they said this This is the early church's understanding of Jesus. They said the early Christians understood Christ to have become incarnate, which you all know means to come in the flesh, to become incarnate, and He came to earth to do battle with the devil and the forces of evil that hold this world captive. That was their understanding of why Jesus came. To take back what Satan had stolen in the Garden of Eden. That was Jesus' plan all along. And he did it. <laughs> How many could get excited about that? Amen. Hebrews two, fourteen and fifteen. Because God's children are human beings, that's us, made of flesh and blood, that's us. The Son also became flesh and blood. Jesus had to do this. For only as a human being could He die. You see, if He'd stayed in the position of God Almighty, the Son, He could not have paid the price for us. He had to become human. Fully God, yet fully human. Do I understand that? No. If you do, teach me. All I know is, he had the power, but he set his crown aside for a short period of time so that he could come to this planet and take our place. Become the pure offering that it required the sacrifice, the Redeemer of all mankind. And what in the Old Testament they would offer yearly sacrifices for their sins... Jesus did it, according to the book of Hebrews, once and for all. Never to have to be done again. That's good news. Where was I? For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. Catch that? Let me read that part again. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could He set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Should we be afraid of what's to come? Two of you said no. The rest of you, what are you just thinking about it? Should we be afraid of death? We should be excited about it. I'm going to share this next week. I don't want to take too much out of today's message, but just to say when the Christians, the early Christians, when they were persecuted, when they were tormented and killed for their faith, they went to whatever was coming happy. Most of them. Why? Because fear was not in them. Death had no hold on them. They knew where they were going to go this body dies i'm with jesus can you get excited about that run amen Amen. hallelujah you know when you sit there you're you're and then you wear an orange shirt it's just a target man i'm sorry yeah i'm not picking on margie though leave her alone only in this way verse 15 could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying So, Christ's mission set people free. I put this up here, this this picture. um, This is actually from unsplash.com, and I'm only doing that because they don't get paid for this. Christ's mission was to set people free. I put up the armor just to show you next... It's kind of an allusion to next week, by the way. Uh, We'll get into that more. But these are weapons of warfare. And Satan uses his weapons very very craftily and he's good at it though christ was successful we the church still must take hold of the victory yes he's attained it for us but we've got to grab it and live it it's not just a matter of saying it we've got to live it Which means that when you're tempted, you don't jump into that pot or kettle every time. Whatever that might look like for you. You see, we all have different temptations. For some it's lust. For some it's power. For some it's controlling their tongue. There are all different ways that the devil uses his arsenal to get us to get tripped up. And why does he do that? I'm going to get to that. But one of the biggest things he uses against us, one of the keys, is fear. Fear of failure. Fear of not making it to the finish line. Fear of letting God down. Fear. Fear of letting ourselves down. I've been there, done that. The glorious part is that when you put Jesus first in your life, when you confess your sins to him and you give him your life, you know what, you might blow it. That's all right. He's right there saying, all right, come on. We'll do better next time. Come on. Come on. You're covered in the blood. his biggest tactic is fear. 1 Peter 5, 8. Familiar passage, stay alert, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. When I see this, and I think about it, yes, he still has manipulation tactics. But I want you to understand something. He doesn't have the power anymore. Jesus does. He doesn't have the authority over us anymore. Jesus does. Stay alert. In some of the versions it says, be sober-minded. And, and I want you to catch this. I, I'm using this as an example from a, a movie illustration, just because just, not all of you probably face this. How many have ever seen a drunk guy on TV or in the movies? Are you with me? What happens usually in the movie? They lose control. They're easily intimidated or taken advantage of. They're not in their right mind. Are you with me? Why do you think this verse talks about being sober minded? What does it mean to be sober? I should have asked you because you know what this is, right? You know. I'm not saying he's a drunk, he, he, <laughs> he, he works for those who help people who are habitually in that place. So, he's, he's a good guy. Don't be drunk. Don't be the drunk. Be sober-minded. The New American Commentary, and it, it adds, Believers must remain vigilant and alert until the very end because the devil seeks to destroy their faith. And this is important to understand. How many remember Hebrews eleven six 6 from your Sunday school class? Anybody? I have the TNIV up here. Without faith, it is impossible. Read it with me. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What does the commentary say that the devil uses against us? He takes away our faith. That's that's his motive, his goal, his aim. He tries to remove the faith of God's people. There's a reason that we're called the faithful. Because without it, you can't please God. And I believe that the devil uses our circumstances to get our attention off the victory that Christ has already purchased or achieved for us. He gets our eyes on our earthly problems, on our adversities, our infirmities, or whatever trial. And when He does this, He effectively causes the Christian's faith to decrease. You see, when your faith increases, you're able to do things like Jesus did when He ended up in hell for that brief period of time. The light just increased. And eventually, He was in control. The same is true with us. When our faith increases, The devil's hand on us decreases. His manipulation, uh, it, it can't control us anymore. And we're in charge. But we've got to have faith. And that's where I'm going to go with this message next week. We're going to look at the second part of this. We must fight back. God's people must fight back. I've got a couple more passages and then I'm going to close. 2 Corinthians 10, 4-6, the Living Bible, it says, I use God's, this is Paul, telling the early church of Corinth, I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Did you hear that? What does he use? God's mighty weapons. We're going to look at those next week. These weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built up to keep men from finding Him. Hmm. Do we see that going on around us today? Man, if if you want to see what the enemy is really trying to do, it's right here. The pride of man is rising up. I've never seen so many godless people who claim they don't believe that there is a God. With these weapons, I can capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into men whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. And here, of course, he's talking about those in the church who fall away. Uh, Sometimes we call them backsliders. That's a popular Christianese term. And then he says, I will use these weapons against every rebel who remains after I have first used them on you yourselves and you surrender to Christ. So he uses God's weapons to take the blinders off the people so that they can begin to see that Jesus Christ is real. In the flesh, that he came, that he took our place on the cross... And that now we can have eternal life and life in abundance if we'll put our faith and trust in him. Man's weapons are useless against the devil. But God's weapons are mighty in taking down the strongholds. As I begin to close... You missed the cue, Sarah. I'm just picking on her. We love Sarah. Those young people, Sarah, Jeremiah, and of course, mom and dad, who are on break one more week, they've been here. 15 years? 15, 15. Yeah. Faithfully. Almost every Sunday, except when they go see Jerry and Sue down in Florida for two or three weeks. In the winter, like smart people do. <laughs> but I just want to say thank you. You're, you're amazing. And uh, talk about faithful. Wow. We're blessed. I'm going to go into this deeper next week, but for now, all of us must realize that we already have the victory in Jesus. If Jesus is your Lord, you have the victory. It isn't a matter of when you get it, you have it. It's a now thing. But you have to take hold of it because the devil does a great job with smoke and mirrors, that's, that's a modern term, I think, to convince us that we're losing or that we have lost. Anybody say amen to that? Maybe not in your life specifically, but all I have to do is look around me. I see people dying every day when they should be living. The promise is just as much for them as it is for us. We're all God's kids. If we're breathing, if we have flesh, we're human beings created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. And that's why Jesus came. Young, old, fat, skinny. Doesn't matter. God loves you. You're His. And He wants you to be with Him forever. He wants you to have that same relationship that Adam and Eve had to start with. And you can, simply by acknowledging what He did for you. By giving Him rule and reign over your life. Now for some of you, your pride is saying, I don't want God to have me. Well, you're not very smart then. I'm just going to be blunt. Because your way is going to lead you to hell. Your way is going to put you the same place that Satan is going to reside forever and ever and ever. Well, that's awful harsh, pastor. It's the Bible. It's God's word. Did you create yourself? God created you, and he wrote the rule book, and we're going to live by the rule book, whether you like it or not. You don't have a choice. But God didn't want you to die in your sins. That's why he sent his son Jesus, the Redeemer. Behold the Lamb of God. I I can picture it. As Jesus was about to step into the river, Jordan, and John the Baptist, ah, the one whose sandals I am not worthy to tie. Or is it untie? I don't remember. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Whew. Jesus. Can you say that word? Jesus. Can you give his name a, a big shout? Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo. Would you stand? And if you're at home, you probably need to stand too because I'm sure the blood needs to get to your feet. I'm almost done. I believe that God wants His church, capital C, to be victorious. And it's going to take all of us gaining this understanding, if you don't already have it, that you've got the victory. You've got to start acting like it. And that means you've, you've got to be a student of the Word. You've got to be a Berean. You've, you've got to get God's Word in you so you know what you can and can't do. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor Norm, I'm not so sure that I'm ready for eternal life. I don't know that if my life were to end today, if my heart were to stop beating, I'm not sure where I'd go. If that's you, would you lift your hand up? Anybody in here? I'd like to just pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. Anyone hallelujah i'm going to assume that everybody in this room then is a born-again believer which i hope you are and i just want to say this if if you didn't raise your hand but you would like to talk to me i'll be here after service i'd be happy to talk to you about that if you're at home and you would say yes that's me i don't know if i'm ready I want to pray with you in just a minute but before we do that i just wanted to ask the second question it's a two-parter how many in this room unashamedly eyes opened you have been living in victory in this life would you lift your hand up all right many hands going up most of them good I hope you're able to come back next week. If not, if you're not able to be here, please watch it on live stream. Come back and watch this message because it's going to be so important. But here's what I want you to grasp today. We, and I've said this over and over the last few weeks, we are the light of the world and we bring our light into the darkness so that others can see our job or our duty our responsibility our ministry is to lead people to the cross to jesus to to illuminate jesus christ in our life we don't take the credit or the glory that's all his but our job is to help people find him and god uses us as we do but the devil has had many of us wrapped around his finger and we're I don't want to say useless. We're ineffective because we have allowed things in our life that when others see it, they go, oh, that's a Christian way? I think you know what I'm talking about. Subtle sin. Sometimes not so subtle. I want to pray with you if that's you. I'm not asking anybody to raise their hand. I know there are people in this room who are dealing with temptations that are beyond them. and Next week, we're going to get into that more. But here's what I want you to do today. I just want you to start lifting it up to Jesus. Say, Lord, this is me. If I can use myself for an example. Lord, this is Norm. And I have this thing in my life. I need your help. You've already gotten the victory, Lord. Now I want to walk in it. And I want your help. I want you to pray that prayer this week. And when we come back next week, I'm going to ask you to pray with me when we finish the message. And I believe there are going to be some breakthroughs like never before. So come back. And be praying this week for all of us. If that's not you, be praying for the rest of us. All right? Are you with me? Now let's pray for those saints that are hanging on the edge of their seat to receive Jesus. Father God, say this with me. Father God, forgive me of my sins and make me a new person. Today, September the 6th, 2020, I confess my sins to you and I place myself all that I am, all that I have, under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I believe you died for me. That you hung on that cross for my sake. And today, I receive that forgiveness. I receive that life that can come only through Jesus. Now use me. Teach me. Show me the way. I pray this all in Jesus' name. And fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as only you can. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer online, you've got Jesus. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Send me a note, normatgaylerchurch.com. Let me know that you just received Jesus. And I'd, I'd like to send you some things. So... God bless you. God bless you. Father, we thank you again for this uh, new day. Lord, I pray we'd go out of here. And as Pastor Barb so eloquently said, we'll kick the devil's butt. No longer does he have control over us. Lord, you've given us that authority and that power through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, today we walk in that. Now keep us safe in our coming and going. And Lord, I pray you'd bring them back next Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you.